Hello and welcome to Muppet Sational, the UK's biggest Muppet Show podcast, hosted by three huge Muppet fans. Join us each week as we dive into an episode of Jim Henson's classic variety show, now finally available on Disney+. This week, it's Season 2, Episode 7, starring the loose-lipped and wooden Edgar Bergen. It's time to get things started on the chronological, explorational, conversational, Muppet-sational! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Muppet-sational. I'm Lewis Chandler. I'm Jade Turner. And I'm Emma Chandler. And we are here this week, as we are every week, to discuss another episode of The Muppet Show. Hello, Shirley's. <laughs> <laughs> Shirley, you can't be serious. <laughs> <laughs> I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. <laughs> I wish we'd been allowed to watch Airplane instead of this. <laughs> oh, Lewis! <laughs> no, I, no, I feel like I'm, I've come into this with a slightly bad energy because I was having all manner of tech problems. I was doing the world's saddest mime performance for Jade and Emma over our our Google Google Meet. <laughs> I had to open Safari. I couldn't click on a link. It was all just... It was all very, happening. It was, but it's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. How are you both? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm, I'm quite full. We had a... I can never say it right. Is it a dal? I always want to... Dal. Yeah, dal. But then that, I don't know. Dal. In my dodgy Hampshire accent, that just sounds wrong. I swear that's not how you actually well, I can say, say it. Well, say dal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we had a dal for dinner and Ooh. I'm full. So not as full as you with the pie, but I am full nonetheless. I was very full of pie. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, make sure you don't have to, don't rub your stomach like I did. That's yeah. a whole bunch of editorial stress. Like, what is this soft What is that noise? Oh, what it's is Lewis that noise? Digesting his pie. <laughs> <laughs> Just the occasional. <laughs> Emma, how are you feeling? I'm feeling much better, thank you. <laughs> yes, Emma had the COVID. <laughs> I did. I did. I was like wiped out for a week, but you know, I'm I'm here. The fatigue is still real though. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, it's I, rubbish. It is rubbish. Uh so wait, Emma and I've both had it. I had it August 2021. Jade, have you managed to skip it or have you had it? As far as I know, I haven't had it. I've had two pretty heavy colds, but whenever I've done um, both rapid tests and I, I did get some PCRs the first time I had a heavy cold and everything's come back negative. So as far as I know, touching some wood, um, have not had it yet. But uh, <laughs> we fly to Barcelona next Thursday and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> well... we'll find out. <laughs> Godspeed. Speaking of touching wood. <laughs> oh, seamless. <laughs> Seamless. Let's transition. Jade, um, why don't you <laughs> kick us <laughs> off with some production information? Yes, I will. So this episode was originally broadcast on the 11th of November 1977. It was written by Jerry Jewell, Joseph A. Bailey, Jim Henson and Don Hinckley and directed by Philip Casson. And Emma, I feel like to some degree, Edgar Berger needs no introduction, <laughs> but equally, he probably does need a little bit because, well, he's sort of culturally known now, but he's obviously not exactly on our screens that often. No, no, that's, well, he did die in 1978, so... <laughs> 
tragic loss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Edgar Bergen was a actor, comedian, vaudevillian, and he was best known for and his... charlatan. <laughs> <laughs> best known for his ventriloquism and his characters Charlie McCarthy and Mortimer Snurd. Um, interesting, he was the father of Candice Bergen. Yay! Yes. <laughs> Yay, Candice. Um, so essentially, he started off on radio, as all good ventriloquist acts do. Of course. <laughs> the natural medium for ventriloquy. <laughs> yeah, the central That's medium. That's how he got away with it. <laughs> <laughs> so he had the Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy show on radio, which ran from 1937 to 1957. Wow. And then from that point onwards, he went on to guest star on a lot of variety shows. Um, and then he had a couple of shows on like CBS. Um, so he had like the Charlie McCarthy show and then the Edgar Bergen show. Interesting, on the end credit of the Muppet movie, it's got a dedication in memory to him because Jim Henson saw him as an inspiration. He was just on a lot of TV shows guesting. Um, and then he was going to retire in 1978 and he did what all stars of that time did he decided he was going to go do vegas of course so he went to do a show at caesars um for a two-week farewell um but unfortunately he died three days later (laughs) emma i do love how you tee up your death stories (laughs) in the biographies (laughs) what is the jolliest what is also (laughs) quite interesting is that he had quite a it seems quite a contentious relationship with candace because apparently in his will he didn't leave her anything but he left ten thousand dollars to charlie mccarthy no and also apparently dummy yeah and then apparently he also according to candace's um autobiography in their house charlie had a bigger room than she did oh my god i what (laughs) it's just that's insane i mean there's a lot to process yeah poor candace Poor Candace. Not only having to just grow up around these ventriloquism dummies yep. as it is, but then to have your father leave ten thousand nineteen seventy-eight dollars. That's a lot of dollars. That's a lot of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> to a to a puppet. And I, and it got a bigger oh room. Like God. it's that's messed up. Emma, have you read her autobiography? I haven't, no. But when I was just researching her, it was just like something that came up. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay, let's just have a quick look at this. And I was like, wow, there is a lot going on here in this relationship. Yeah, God. It's really interesting that Jim Henson looks at Edgar Bergen as a sort of inspiration. Because I was thinking about this as my mind often wandered during this episode. Um, obviously, we are all here because we love the Muppets. And... By very virtue of that, we all just buy in to the puppetry that occurs in the Muppets. We we talk about them as if they are real characters. I never feel any doubt in my mind that Kermit is real or Piggy is real or Gonzo is real. And it's so strange that Jim, who could, through using puppetry and also just by his very nature, built these sort of such fully rounded amazing characters whereas ventriloquism and a dummy always feels so artificial because you're you're seeing the process do you know what I mean you're seeing the sausage being made and I don't know it just it just kind of surprises me it's more than that too isn't it because it's I was thinking about it too you know 
by the nature of ventriloquy, the ventriloquist is on stage next to yes. their puppet as opposed to hidden for a start. But also because they're wooden, they are so limited in their expressions. Mm. You know, everything we've been talking about in terms of how far these puppets have come in season two and how much more expressive, say, a puppet like Gonzo is, you know, you're never going to get that with Charlie McCarthy. Just, It's just never going to happen. No. And I do think there's something that's kind of like foundational Muppet in particularly in Charlie McCarthy because Edgar Bergen can say things through Charlie McCarthy that he wouldn't obviously not say mm. as himself. And I think the puppeteers take inspiration from that but yeah it's it is peculiar um i just want to on on this and what you said about emma edgar bergen and charlie mccarthy are in the muppet movie of course they they judge the contest that miss piggy is discovered at mm. um and then it was actually i want to say both of them which sounds really weird but it was edgar <laughs> bergen's last film role so I think that's another reason that he dedicated it to him because obviously then he passed away. Mm. But yeah, it's a it is a really really strange one and I think having him next to all of the muppets really does show up just the vast gap between this art form and in particular what Jim Henson's muppets do. Yeah. I'm really glad we're doing the Muppet Show podcast and not the Charlie McCarthy and Edgar Bergen podcast. <laughs> I just want to know what happened to that $10,000. <laughs> Did Candace take Charlie McCarthy to court? <laughs> I thought you were going to say she took Charlie McCarthy to the bank and then just like oh. <laughs> gave her <laughs> gave her bank details and was like, yes, he wants to cash this. Here we go. It's very humbling to think that a ventriloquist dummy has more money than I do. <laughs> <laughs> and that was 1978, Lewis, as well. Oh, no. It's like whenever I watch a movie and I see an animal in it and I think, that dog has more film credits than I do. <laughs> There's a dog that's in Silence of the Lambs and Batman Returns and some other movie. And I'm like... Those are three great movies that you're in, dog. <laughs> and the most I have is seven seconds as teenage boy in the Zack Snyder Justice League. <laughs> and that white poodle <laughs> has a better CV than I do. <laughs> I wish I had a drink right now. <laughs> Lewis, I feel like you're completely spiralling this evening. <laughs> well, let's get into it, <laughs> My first notes are, oh God, here we go. And so his mouth is moving quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, we have to talk about his skill as a ventriloquist or <laughs> lack thereof. <laughs> I'm wondering, I, I feel like I told an episode, uh, told a story on an episode a long time ago about a ventriloquist who started his career on radio and then moved to television and then was found out to not be very good. I... It, maybe it was um, Edgar no. Bergen, but I think it was actually a British ventriloquist as well. Were ventriloquists just getting away with this for decades until the advent of actual, I don't know, television? I'm guessing it's not Edgar Bergen because he is such an institution. There's no way that it, like, that he would have been found out, as it were. I'm mm. guessing that it's just because TV sets were rubbish and... The signal was terrible. The picture was tiny. It was in black and white. Like, you would not have been able to see 
most of the time his lips particularly moving yeah i don't think it's interesting yeah it's interesting you should say that because that's what i was thinking as well because i was like we're watching this now and obviously we're you know you can clearly see he's his lips are moving and everything else he's talking <laughs> he was he was just he's talking. talking he was just <laughs> yeah i think we've got so much more expectation mm. on like performers or kind of you know if we're seeing something we want to be wowed we don't want to look at it and be like oh it's literally just him talking and moving a, a dummy <laughs> it was so <laughs> distracting at times because like yeah. especially i'm not jumping ahead but that bit with miss piggy right at the end there were parts of that where he was obviously really enamored with performing with miss piggy and he genuinely was just talking he was not attempting at all not to move his lips he was just chatting in charlie mccarthy's voice like i would you not as i don't know philip casson the director would you not say i'm sorry mr bergen we need to take that again you were just talking then <laughs> like you were well, not I doing did, ventriloquy I, I mean i don't know i i felt watching it especially um i know i'm gonna go ahead a little bit as well but when we have the whole consider yourself moment and they literally have everyone mm. in that song. I think Jim was a bit like, he's my inspiration. We're just chucking everything in. It's just, I, I mean, I feel like after that, it, assuming they film in sequence, I don't know if they do, but I'm just assuming given how a lot of shows filmed in the 60s and 70s, they did. Um, that first scene, they do have Charlie and Edgar in a sort of a shot where you see the both of them the whole time. I do wonder, as we go further into the episode, and uh, uh, was it Casson? What's his first name? Philip Casson. Philip. Yeah. Um, we do get more shots of just mm. the dummy talking. Yeah, <laughs> like, and they cut out Edgar, which, <laughs> which made me think, huh, maybe they had quietly <laughs> clocked on the dailies. That, <laughs> that <it's> like, <laughs> his lips are moving. <laughs> I wonder if there's also just a little something about, um, you know, obviously television cameras are just by virtue in lining up a two shot uh, because of the size of the screens that they're performing on. They are naturally quite close up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas, you know, if you're a ventriloquist, even in a small regional theatre, the audience is still maybe about eight to ten feet away from you. And if you have the difference of a big flapping dummy mouth and some little, like, some lip moving, compare that to then when you have a television camera that, by the use of Zoom or whatever, is maybe two feet away or a foot away. Suddenly those (laughs) little, and I am paraphrasing that, movements do suddenly become a man talking. Definitely. I did also go back on YouTube and just because I was just curious to see whether maybe this was like an older age thing, because obviously we know, sadly, that he passed away the following year. But I I looked at clips from the 30s, the 50s, the 60s, and in all of them, his mouth's moving. So he... God, you're a glutton for punishment, Jade. (laughs) No, none of them. I like, I wasn't on any of them for long, except for... (laughs) A, a show he did which i think was called what's the word where he was like the mystery guest and he oh what's my line maybe it was what's my line yes yes i think it was what's my line he was the mystery guest and he basically did no ventriloquism on it at all but i was kind of <laughs> absolutely enthralled at this random lineup of people trying to guess edgar bergen it was just uh. it's just bizarre anyway um yeah I I think it comes back a little bit 
as you just said, Emma, as well, to what we spoke about with Rich Little as well, just in terms of like the expectations of audiences and how much higher our expectations are now with, you know, whether you're doing an impression or whether you're doing a puppetry or ventriloquism or whatever it is, it's like, you have to be great. You cannot get away with flapping your mouth around. It's just not acceptable. I would never pay money to see a ventriloquist. I don't think you could even pay me to see a ventriloquist. I think the only one I would consider seeing is Nina Conti. But I I, yeah, I, I, guess. I, I think probably I, wouldn't I, go and see her, but I would... Like, if she was on at a festival that I'd already paid money to go to, I might be like, oh, I'll swing by and watch Nina Conti. But she's the only one. Perhaps. Well, I'm so glad we all committed to watching those 25 minutes of television. And I'm guessing in your cases, you both watched it twice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. I watched it an hour ago. Let's crack in, shall we? <laughs> So we have our first song, if I can call it a song, of the uh, episode with T.R. Rooster and the chickens uh, clucking along to Babyface is the tune. (laughs) I spent the entire time trying to guess what the hell Oh, I got it straight away. I was like, is it the hand jive? (laughs) (laughs) There was a a lot happening. It got very intense. And I thought the two chickens at the top were like the most intense of all their movements. (laughs) Oh yeah, the more they were getting into it, the more I sort of came to love this little opener. Like their their energy. And when they started headbanging and and really just like, like going up and up and up, it was... um, yeah, it gave it that sort of level of zaniness that I think was very, very necessary. Because otherwise, for the first 30 seconds, I I was a little worried that this was just going to run for an entire two minutes of just this. Yeah, it was great how it built. It was really, really clever. Because it did seem at the start very sort of, yeah, I don't know, just sort of, just like a chicken glee club. <laughs> like, okay, these <laughs> chickens are just singing, fine. Yeah, I thought it was really... It was really, really good fun. And I <laughs> I did recognise Babyface. And the only reason I recognise it is because Rory sings it in an episode of Gilmore Girls. And that's the only reason that I got the tune. Does he? She. Oh, Rory. When does she sing that? It's at Sherry's Baby Shower. And one of the games is you've got to sing songs with baby in, but you're not allowed to sing baby. So oh. she's going like, mm, face, I love your face oh yeah. my goodness oh, yeah I, I can now i can now picture that little matchin amic being in there being what's her face yeah god that's the only reason i knew it yeah. that i always i can remember that one because it always that's like two episodes after like my all-time favorite episode of the gilmore girls which is the um the 24-hour dance of fun it's I think it's it'll pretty... be before that because it's before it's when um they sorry you know I know this show too much yeah. it's at the end they devil egg Jess's car so it's before Rory's with Jess but it's very close to it it's really really close no, but to at it the, at the runaround she at the dancerthon she's still with Dean that's when they break up yeah but then the next episode is when they get together oh. so this one must be I will defer to, I will defer to your knowledge on this one <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> 
that's my run. I usually start with Bracebridge dinner and then I go through the Rory and Jess stuff, which we'll get to another Rory and Jess moment later on. Oh. Um, actually, I could just, well, no, I could just say it now. Basically, Charlie McCarthy, Jess has a line when he's like dissing Dean. Dean's talking for Rory and he's like, all right, Edgar Bergen, let's hear from Charlie McCarthy now. Oh my God. So whenever I hear Charlie McCarthy, that's all I think about is just saying that to Dean. Oh, you know what? <laughs> yeah, anyway, so... Sometimes the Sherman Palladinos should be stopped. I mean... <laughs> No, god damn it. It's how we understand pop culture. Uh, I learned mine from The Simpsons. Thank yeah, exactly. You. You've got The Simpsons. I've got The Sherman Palladinos. It's all good, Lewis. What's all Emma you got, have Grace? is a nice brunette lady in hats and capes running around New York with an inexplicable budget. <laughs> how did they afford that Ferris wheel? That was insane. That. Oh my god. That is the best thing I think they've ever done. It was so good. It's so, so oh. good. I love it. Anyway. Hey, fun! <laughs> is your funnel cake delicious? <laughs> the marvellous Mrs. Maisel, now streaming on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Imagine if we just swung this into us being sponsored by Amazon Prime. <laughs> like, we'd really, like, we let's set up, teed up that entire conversation just so we could <laughs> bury the lead that we're now on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Syndicated oh. Audible podcast. <laughs> oh my god, I wish. Maybe I'd finally get my Audible for free. That'd be nice. <laughs> And they don't have to pay for my sad gay books anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Can I tell you both a fun fact about the chicken singing baby face? Yes. Oh, I think I might know your fun fact. Well, I don't. Go on, Emma. I'll let you you do the big reveal. Is it the fact that they use the same audience response as they did in episode 204? No, it's not. But that is very good. The, uh, Emma was so happy with herself for that. She was so happy. It, that is random because you get the rooster in both the audience and on stage, which yeah. is very strange. <laughs> uh, no, my fun fact about the chicken singing baby face is that the puppeteers, as the chickens, did this at Jim Henson's memorial. Oh! We're back to the Jim Henson memorial! We're back to pew, the memorial. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> Pew, pew, pew. It's been a it's been it's been a while since we've uh, cracked into the uh, the extensive entertainments from the Jim Henson Memorial. It's uh, very touching to have it back. I, I am sorry, but they did it as the chickens. I just don't think that's appropriate for a memorial service. It's now making me question my decision for my future funeral. <laughs> oh God! Excuse me a moment. <laughs> Emma, neither of us will probably be around for this, so... Oh, that's nice of you to think that I won't idiotically kill myself in some way. (laughs) Thank you. It's only a three-year gap between us at most. Like, odds are... (laughs) It's a race to the finish, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, God. It's going to be a slow crawl, let's be honest. (laughs) Yes. We, none of us, are keen cardio fans. (laughs) I was going to say, and I've got an underlying health condition, so odds are me first. Oh no, Emma! <laughs> oh, God. Don't don't give her sympathy. Emma uses that underlying health condition to, as a get out of jail free card for anything, <laughs> like, even entirely unrelated things. <laughs> Emma, I'd be like, we'd be like at a theme park. They'd be like, let's go on this. They'd be like, I have an, I have an underlying I've health condition. I've got type one diabetes. Yeah, no. the diabetes means I can't go on this roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> Don't believe that's true, Emma. Here in Orlando, Florida. <laughs> 
also while you've probably no doubt been drinking frappuccinos eating donuts and yeah <laughs> just generally gorging yourself i may have done that I think about like 15 year old emma chowing down on a cinnabon <laughs> at universal which probably was like her entire calorie intake for the day <laughs> like oh those cinnabons were good it's all good after babyface i really liked kermit hosting all of the chickens backstage and negotiating with them for a coop being held yes, by one of the I know, chickens i saw that beak over his arm <laughs> i thought that was such a nice little touch it's because that union is tough lewis that They're is a tough him. union the chickens are unionized yes i i love how much they reference unions in <laughs> <laughs> in the muppet show it just shows that we really we've really let union culture uh fall the further we've given into late stage capitalism um <laughs> yeah well i mean you know i think between reagan and thatcher they tried to stamp it out as much as humanly possible hopefully the chickens have survived the uh, you know the chicken union has survived yeah. the 80s well to be fair the chickens always have the means to production because they they are the only people who can lay the eggs this is true. So no wonder they've got such a strong strong union <laughs> Seize the means of production. <laughs> so we get another rarity in this uh, in this scene where we have a a full backstage number, which was interesting. Uh, I did wonder as we went on whether it was trying to cover the limits of having a ventriloquist and his dummy as a guest. Because I realise you can't really move if you're a ventriloquist with a dummy, short of having him sitting on your arm and pulling him around. So to have all the Muppets sort of jump on and start singing Consider Yourself was perfectly fine, but it was an incredibly static song. Yeah, I think you're right. I think obviously they're they're playing to <laughs> what is possible to do when Charlie McCarthy is, is there with Edgar Bergen. Um, but it did make sense to me because... I guess singing Consider Yourself, like, they are welcoming them into the Muppet gang. And I feel like that would actually feel a little bit strange on stage to ha suddenly have all these Muppets appear out of nowhere in quite the same way. Like, I bought that this was backstage and that all these Muppets were just hanging around and, and ready to go. Oh, yeah. In the choice between having this number and having Edgar Bergen do more bad ventriloquism. Yes. <laughs> bring on Consider Yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> Consider yourself at home. Consider yourself one of the family. No, thank you. We've taken to you so strong. It's clear we're going to get along. Consider yourself well in. Consider yourself part of the furniture. Not me. There isn't a lot to spare. So what? Who cares? Whatever we have to share. If it's a chance to be, we should see some harder days, empty larger days. Why grouse? Always a chance we'll meet somebody to foot the bill. Then the drinks are on the house. Not me, I'm driving. I thought this was really cute and sweet when it actually got into the number. I loved that we had so many Muppets in it. And I also really liked that it was recognisable Muppets because I feel like quite yes. often when we've had these big numbers, quite often it's like slightly strange Muppets that maybe we never see again or 
maybe they just always usually are in the background. But, you know, this was Uncle Deadly and Scooter and Janice and Fozzie and Kermit. And everything. like it just felt like a really, really nice mix of of Muppets. And then when it got to the parts where the chickens and the frackles and the pigs were coming through, I guess that was the bit that they tried to give it a little bit of movement, didn't they? By having having those well movement and also just giving charlie mccarthy something to do yeah, yeah. in that yeah the dummy was making some jokes i was gonna say that's <laughs> when the older uh, bacon and eggs joke came out wasn't it? <laughs> yes. at that yes, point it <laughs> but no i i agree with you jd it was it was really nice to see janice i was like mm. we've not seen her for a while and um they definitely kind of threw in the top tier muppets in this song <laughs> they did yeah and I suppose there's a cer- there's a certain niceness to you know if Jim Henson decided to have consider yourself be part of it, trying to say to you know in a way saying to Charlie McCarthy the dummy you know consider yourself one of the Muppets you it's it's great and also Jim Henson being like you know I consider myself yes one of you like you yes. so <laughs> consider yourself one of us <laughs> but um but uh, Edgar Bergen as a as a as a person seems to be taking it all in a fairly nice stride. He seems to have a fairly good on stage energy. Obviously, all of my judgments on him are now being coloured by yes. crazy the crazy stuff with Candace. I can't kinda I kinda can't stop thinking about it. Like the idea that he literally paid a lawyer to write down in his last will to leave ten thousand dollars to a dummy. And nothing to his daughter. Just, but just, what an awful man. Yeah, <laughs> that know. is awful. That is truly, truly terrible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Somebody who is not an awful man is my beloved Muppet Newsman, who apparently isn't wearing any trousers. <laughs> did that, did that perk you up? <laughs> <laughs> it did a little. Look, I don't want to, I don't want to dig into it in any meaningful way, but I don't know. I sat up in my chair a little, <laughs> not wearing trousers, eh? <laughs> it's funny in and of itself, fine. But it's also like, he could not wear trousers every week and nobody would ever know because he's behind the desk. Jade, I'm not wearing trousers right now. Well, there we go then, Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been living at Zoom life. Emma's gone very quiet. It makes me worried that Emma's about to be like, I'm completely naked because we can just see her head. <laughs> no, I was just, you know, when I said to you about the $10,000, I'm like, I definitely read that right, right? <laughs> Are you doubting yourself? I am. I don't know. Hold on. <laughs> I don't want the litigious Ber- Ber- yes. Bergen Foundation. I know, right? I don't want to get sued by the ghost of a ventriloquist dummy. <laughs> Like I'm in a Goosebumps book. I do not want to get sued by Charlie McCarthy, okay? That's just make that very clear. <laughs> okay, so apparently, according, this is on Google, according to Candice Bergen's memoir, A Fine Romance, he left his daughter nothing but bequeathed his dummy, Charlie McCarthy, $10,000, according to Wikipedia, so... <laughs> no, I'll take that. I used it for my university essays, I can certainly use it for my podcast. <laughs> Still got a first. <laughs> So after this very brief Muppet news flash, <laughs> literally, oh my god! Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. We go into another little short skit of Gonzo blindfolded and wrestling 
a house brick? A six pound brick, I believe is how it's described. <laughs> Which is not a welterweight, we later find out. Indeed. This was bonkers, but it follows on from what we said a few episodes ago about they've truly... Artist Gonzo is gone. gone. He is now bonkers Gonzo. He is, well, Gonzo. He, he's Gonzo Gonzo. Yeah, he's daredevil yeah. stuntman Gonzo, isn't he? Like, he's... I absolutely loved his little wrestling leotard and cape. It was hysterical. Yes. yes. He looked so cute. And that blindfold, there was no way he was seeing anything through that. It's cute. I swear, whenever we see like the full kind of version of Gonzo, he's so tiny and cute. I'm just <laughs> like, oh. I know. Um, would like to briefly award this wrestling outfit as Lewis's outfit of oh, the week. Oh, brilliant. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Complete with blindfold. I loved when he was splayed after the brick had taken him out. It was like, <laughs> you know. Now look, Jade, I found it a little post-coital. Like, I, like, <laughs> like, there was panting, his legs were spread, the brick was like lying on top and it's like between his legs. And I was just like, <laughs> I've seen this film before. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I don't know if I was just all riled up from the newsman, but like. I think you might have been. I mean, <laughs> But I wasn't the only one. They cut to the audience. Zelda Rose was loving the wrestling. <laughs> she was clapping. She was standing up. She was having a great time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think it's one of those things with wrestling that's like, it always verges on a bit sexual, doesn't it? Just because of the nature of the fact that you've got people jumping around, not wearing many clothes. And there is a lot of, yeah, lying on top of one another heavy yeah. heavy breathing <laughs> it's, it's not <laughs> I, I didn't mean so like I mean, i've never watched wrestling i just meant that it was literally just like the the, the that shot of yeah. of that final shot and the, and i think it was maybe like the slow pan away as well i don't know it just all felt slightly sort of like, like we were gonna pan a bit further back and then a curtain would like gently billow yeah. over but no, this was a, a great, a really great little skit, I thought. And it's, you know, Gonzo just fully flourishing into his uh, freak self. And again, it was really nice that it then led into a bit of backstage business with him and Kermit discussing yes. the brick and what it was that he'd done. And it felt like between the chickens and then them going backstage, that immediately going into Consider Yourself. Okay, then we did have the newsflash, but then to have Gonzo and then that go into a little bit of backstage business too. To me, this episode did feel very, very fluid and really confident. So mm. It all felt so alive, didn't it? Mm. Yeah. They, just like, you know, Kermit making his calls over the uh, mm -hmm. like the, the, the prompter and, and chatting to Gonzo and this happens. I... I this is the kind of verve and energy that I really hope we're going to keep having because it just, it really does give so much more pace and energy to it. You know, sometimes we feel these episodes grind to a halt almost to have these backstage scenes or these little, these little skits. But yeah, that's sort of one, two, three, four of those. Just mm. really, I was like, yes, more of this. Keep going, keep going. And it goes on, doesn't it? Because then he's doing his calls for Link to yeah. be on stage for Pigs in Space. So it, it literally all threads through in that first part of the show. Who doesn't find the hustle and bustle of show business a thrill? <laughs> no one. 
Lewis, I feel like this is your absolute plea for a... A job? <laughs> a job, yes, basically. <laughs> uh, should I... It's going to get to a point where I'm just going to add it and my introduction to start reading out my spotlight view pin <laughs> at the beginning. I thought you were maybe just going to say, and my phone number is. <laughs> <laughs> I'll save that for season three. Yeah. This is my business email address. <laughs> Lewis... <laughs> Lewis Chandler, nineteen ninety seven at Yahoo. <laughs> that's that's not the correct year. In case shut the hell up. <laughs> Don't. I got my headshots done this Monday. Like I just, God, it's like the crypt keeper got given blonde highlights. I can't believe I have a job where every two years I have to pay a significant amount of money to see myself age. It's just like. <laughs> Who designed this job? <laughs> Sadists. Yes. Uh, find me on Twitter. Available for bookings. <laughs> uh, speaking of jobs that you absolutely would not want to take, poor Miss Piggy in Pigs in Space. I thought you were going to say, <laughs> speaking of hams. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or hams. This independent heating slash unifying element and the horizontal equalizing plane aka an iron and ironing board (laughs) (laughs) i would like to ask each of you uh what did you guess the implement was going to be before it came out i wasn't sure because it was obviously going to be something that got hot and was I yeah I I don't know I really really wasn't sure. Emma, did you? I thought it might have been like a hot plate or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought it was going to be like a stove. I thought it was gonna yeah. be like a stove and a frying pan. <laughs> what did you What did you both think of this sketch? I mean, I thought it was quite funny, but I, I don't know. I think we've seen better like sketches on pigs yeah. in space. Um, though it was quite funny when like Miss Piggy ran after link and clanged onto the door and then yeah. she like vibrated <laughs> and then she's like oh um that was quite funny but yeah i did i didn't think it was like one of the strongest ones that we've seen so far i mean i love piggy when she gets like oh you want me i'm going to step up i'm going to save the day and then she obviously has that moment of turning because piggy always has that moment of turning when she realizes yeah what it is that's going on i thought that was fun but yeah, I, I found it a little bit strange that at the end of the sketch, they just started making pig jokes, like saying that they were filthy like pigs and that they were going to go and throw the pig skin around. I was like, why are you doing that? Why are you calling attention to these things? I didn't, I did not understand what the place of those jokes was in the context of this sketch. I agree. I think the thing I still just don't fundamentally understand is because we've now had a couple of these pigs in space sketches where it's focused on gender roles and Mm -hmm. miss piggy's place as the first mate and i just kind of don't understand why they aren't using the sci-fi premise more it it does feel a little bit like me to to use the uh, sort of phrase from the simpsons why they aren't getting to the fireworks factory it's why are we doing a sketch like this when you literally have you know all of space to use for jokes or you know like trying to land on a planet or like more situational comedy as opposed to oh we'll get piggy to do the ironing i I just don't i don't understand i don't understand (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, the only thing you could think of is probably the time and context yeah. of the kind of material. I suppose so. And I suppose I wanted to feel we trying to make a comment on the role of women in things like Star Trek or whatever. But I feel like even, you know, Lieutenant Uhura got, you know, she wasn't being given the ironing. She was in charge of the, you know, the... Ra- the the headphone radio things. I never watched the original Star Trek, but I did kind of know that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's a mix of the time, and I guess maybe they really wanted to bring in some of those like woman's lib themes into the show to show that they were on the button, but were trying to think of a way of doing it that wasn't just going to make people, you know, essentially what I'm saying is conservatives. Go, oh, you've ruined the Muppet Show. To use today's language, you've made the Muppet Show woke. I'm not interested. But I was expecting a bit more of the actual like sci-fi riffing, as opposed to it being more or more of a generic, I guess, like family sitcom where it's like, oh, mum is so put upon, and dad's just going to play ball outside and ha 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 yeah it will be interesting to see how it develops and whether they whether they quickly run out of things for piggy to to be able to do in that way and whether they do move it on i really hope so because i think i i obviously we knew of pigs in space before we got to it and i i think maybe i just sort of had sort of some high hopes or expectations that it would be more of a kind of yeah, just a parody of those kind of sci-fi yeah. genre trappings a bit more. And maybe it will get there, and I hope it does, because it feels like a waste otherwise. Because you could be making those kind of jokes in any kind of scenario. I don't know, it just it feels, it feels like a waste of space. Huh? <laughs> also, just thinking about Veterinarian's Hospital. Okay, the jokes in Veterinarian's Hospital are obviously all pun-based. It's not a situational comedy in the same way that Pigs and Spaces. But actually, Piggy and Janice are the two put-together members of that trio. You know, they're the two that are trying to get Dr. Bob to be a good doctor. But even <laughs> then, but even in the fact that it was, like, its 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 format was puns, but it was f- puns around, this is our patient. Yes. This is yes. what we need to treat him yeah. with. This is yeah. what we're doing. Whereas this is just... It's barely to do with the location they find themselves mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And it's not what I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they need to figure out a way to make it more spacey. Yes, quite. Get to the fireworks <laughs> factory. Um, speaking of podcasters who are getting what they want, <laughs> Emma, why don't you lead us into <laughs> the next Rolf number? Yes, we go into the UK spot with my favourite person, Rolf. Person! And- my favourite person, my favourite dog. And he's doing a lovely little Purple song us, with Jane. the piano. <laughs> like, just... All right. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> expect, a, expect a frosty response. <laughs> Don't do anything else you say for the rest of the episode. Yeah. Jane and I go, great. And <laughs> just... <laughs> Carry on, Emma. No, you know I love you guys. <laughs> Just not as much as Rolf. <laughs> <laughs> I know my place on this totem pole. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, Rolf, Jade, <laughs> Lewis. <laughs> did you say Mildred before you said Lewis? Because I feel like maybe you should have if you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> 
let's keep talking about the song, shall we? Let's. Uh... <laughs> yeah, so we have Rolf singing Show Me a Rose, uh, which is a Groucho Marx song. And um, yeah, a lovely bit of a UK spot. We're kind of back to our traditional UK spot that we've seen in previous episodes where it's normally kind of Rolf doing a little song with the piano. Ever since songwriters started writing songs, they have written songs about the rose. Red roses, blue roses, old roses, new roses. Roses from the north and south and west But here's the rose song that I love the best Show me a rose and I'll show you a girl who cares Show me a rose or leave me alone Show me a rose and I'll show you a storm at sea Show me a rose or leave me alone what did you guys think? I wanted more from it. Same. Like, it was it was very sweet watching him sing. And don't get me wrong, there's never enough Rolf from The Muppet Show. So obviously I there's was never enough. very happy to see him. But it was just Jim performing as Rolf singing Show Me a Rose. That was it. I thought he did, towards the end, Rolf really went for it and was singing in a way that I don't think we've ever heard him sing before. Rough and loud and deep and seemed to be reaching for the depths of the song to to absolutely make the most of it. But just overall, I was a bit disappointed, to be honest. Like, yeah, it just, I just wanted something to happen or interplay. It was a little something of nothing, really. Perfectly nice, perfectly fine, but it was just one of those UK spots that you just lift out and it has no impact at all on on, on anything, really. Um, but it does make me wonder again. I wonder if we counted up of all the UK spots we've had so far, how many of them are just Rolf and what that mm. would be like for an American audience who just gets a significantly less amount of Rolf across the Muppet yeah. show. And whether he does make as much an impact as a character if he's so often the person who's getting lifted out for, you know, five minutes of advertisements from Texaco and, you know, (laughs) (laughs) cigarettes. Coca-Cola. (laughs) Coca-Cola. Craft foods. (laughs) Mm, Oh, craft mac and cheese. (laughs) Okay, we've lost Lewis. I'm back. Um... (laughs) If it helps, Emma, I would put Kraft Mac and Cheese above you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think you would, you'd barely see Rolf if it wasn't for the UK spots. So I am glad that we have them and he's in them, but I just feel like they could have done something else with this. Even if it was just still him singing, but then there was like some other Muppets dancing around him or something. Like that would have still just lifted it that little bit. Start like, I don't know, at the end, toss like a ton of roses at him and we just get a little Mm. fun kind of like, like, you know, (laughs) people falling off stuff is fun. (laughs) (laughs) Emma does not look happy at the idea of Rolf being pelted with roses. (laughs) (laughs) You leave him alone. (laughs) She's going to ring the RSPCA. (laughs) (laughs) Get taken away. He's not even a real dog. (laughs) When Emma dies before me, she'll leave $10,000 to Rolf instead of nothing to me. (laughs) (laughs) I have to take the Jim Henson company to court. (laughs) 
being like some really old man. <laughs> just like, give me my money. <laughs> I'll be like Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins. <laughs> just like, give me my tuppence. <laughs> Somebody let this crazy old man out. <laughs> Speaking of crazy old men. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Surely not. <laughs> we meet <laughs> Mortimer. <laughs> What a what a guy. <laughs> if you thought the first dummy was terrifying, <laughs> get a load of this character. I wrote down, I worry what growing up around these dummies did to Candace's psyche. <laughs> <laughs> but did you notice that in this, Mortimer does make a joke about Edgar being a not very good ventriloquist. Yeah, Ch- and Charlie McCarthy makes jokes about it yeah, too. Charlie yeah, Charlie does as well. It's like, yeah. And yet we're still calling him a ventriloquist. (laughs) (laughs) And he seemed that, well, he must be aware of him not being all that good. Well, he must know whether his mouth's moving or not. (laughs) Like, it's his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Baffling. Now... I will. I won't lie. The moment he said "Hello, Shirley," I did. I did burst into. I was like, "This is. This is absolutely bonkers." And, and just there is something inherently funny about the name Shirley. I don't know why. Hello, Shirley. Just, oh. What I appreciated about this little bit was that they'd paired Mortimer with Fozzy, which felt like a good combination of characters to interplay together to put charlie mccarthy with fozzy would have just been cruel he obviously would have eviscerated poor fozzy and he does later on he talks about making him his (laughs) he needs a new rug for his den but at least it's not to fozzy's face but to watch mortimer and fozzy interplay like i don't know there was a sort of old tv charm to it that i didn't mind it obviously isn't the funniest funniest thing in the world but there's a silliness to it that i was like yeah okay this is this is all right and if you either ignore edgar bergen's lips moving or when it cuts in so it's just fozzy and mortimer or whatever like it's okay i think you can just about get away with it i just try to think about what the equivalent equivalent is to edgar bergen not being a good ventriloquist it would be like watching the muppet show and for, like, once every 30 seconds, you just kind of see the top of Jim Henson's head. <laughs> like, like just his eyes, like, just slowly bobbing in and out of screen, just as he's trying to operate Kermit. Just, how did he do this for so many years? I don't know. I really, really don't know. <sighs> so, well, I mean... It is baffling. From one bad ventriloquist to another... <laughs> We do follow the action in a very nice way, plot-wise, straight to Fozzy going on stage with <laughs> Chucky, his dummy, who he has decorated with his own fur <laughs> to make his yes. hair. Which, <laughs> just the, the image of Fozzy backstage just hacking at his fur with a pair of scissors <laughs> and then just sticking it onto the head of this dummy is just it's a very upsetting image. <laughs> I was more imagining that maybe Fozzie had molted slightly and he just sort of picked up some of the molted fur and put it on as opposed to him actually like leaving himself with a bold patch on <laughs> on his leg or, or something. Or like his thigh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I When I saw that he'd added hair to the... To Chucky. <laughs> to Chucky. Yes, to Chucky. To give him his full name. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh my god. What have you done? Also, I'm guessing Chucky was meant to look a bit like Fozzy. Like he had... <laughs> Bear-like ears and the nose. Yeah. He looks like something a troubled child in a horror movie would make. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, yeah, because he's all like crap paper mache, isn't he? I mean, yeah. Yeah. it does look like something that Fozzie has actually made, which is quite yes. something, really. <laughs> They're very talented on The Muppet Show, you know. <laughs> They're terribly like, good. <laughs> They're terribly good. <laughs> it takes real talent to make something look that terrible. <laughs> you don't have to tell me, Jade. I've been doing that for many <laughs> It's your speciality. It is. I did write, Chucky is less scary than Charlie and Mortimer. Yeah, that's true. I really loved this bit, though. As Fozzie was getting more and more frustrated, and his the way that he was looking at Chucky and sort of willing him to say something, and the couple of times he sort of whispered in his ear as if... That was going to magically bring Chucky to life. Oh, I know. And then the bit when, obviously, Kermit comes yeah. out and he has to tell Fozzie that, you know, he's... He has to... He doesn't yeah. actually... Chucky doesn't talk. Yeah. He actually needs to say something. Yes. And, like, it, the realisation was quite The realisation was perfect. Really Frank Oz just, like, oh, like, it was such a perfect kind of... He... I... It's... Oh, he's not. It's like telling a child about santa claus like it's that moment of just what do you mean jade (laughs) that santa lives in the north pole and he's got lots of elves that help him that's what i mean that's right i'm gonna keep it that way my favorite little slave owning (laughs) christmas gift man thank you the elves need to join the chicken union they do the elves definitely need to unionize (laughs) poor little tykes yeah, this was super cute. I loved it. I absolutely loved this. And the way that Fozzie was chucking him around and parts of Chucky were going absolutely flying. Yeah, like, that fur I don't went know where... very quickly. <laughs> the yeah. fur went, the arm went. I mean, went. It, was... <laughs> it was super cute until the very end when Fozzie left and then Chucky turned his head <laughs> and he spoke. I was like, oh, this is terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, the fact that he's called Chucky is obviously just a, uh, you know, a funny coincidence. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, incredibly, uns- it was a bit like, Ugh. I'm guessing he's named that because of Charlie though, right? Because Chuck yeah. is a... Yeah, yeah. No, Chucky didn't yeah. exist until the 80s, as in the, no. the, the, the yeah. demonic doll. Yeah, um, yeah, because it's, yeah. I, I, you know, I actually did that mental gymnastics while we were recording right now, because I was like... Oh yeah, Chucky is like short for Charles, and I only know that because in the Rugrats, Chucky is actually called Charles yes, Finster. Charles. <laughs> Wait, is it Finster? Yeah, it is Finster. I think it is Finster. Finster's definitely one of the surnames, I think, isn't it? Because then I just got confused because isn't the um the recess in recess Miss Finster? Miss Finster in recess, yeah. Chucky, I'm gonna have to Google it. Let's Google it. Wait a minute. Oh, it is Chucky Finster. Okay, there we go. It is. Okay, we can go with that. (laughs) Carry on, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) When this next song started, I had two thoughts in very quick succession. (laughs) One was just super disappointing, which was, I thought Muppet Labs had had a serious upgrade. (laughs) And then was like, oh no, it's, it's not. It's just a little whatnot. And then the second immediate thought was, 
oh my god, is this the original puppet that when Gonzo is turned into his old creepy self in Moppet's Haunted Mansion, is that what this is based on? Because that wrinkled face and the <laughs> the crazy grey hair and everything, like... I don't know. I just felt like I was looking at Gonzo's brain again. It, <laughs> I, I did not. I did not enjoy the look of that puppet at all. I know what you mean. I've. It was very like the hair and everything was very bizarre. I found it quite a sad song. I found it like quite melancholy. It was. I don't know. It just. It was very wistful mm-hmm. and just kind of quite sad. I was like, oh, especially you know, especially at the very end where he were like turned back into the sort of old puppet again like i had the vibe of it being like he was trying to get back to his youth for some sort of like love or something and then it didn't work and it was like oh as somebody who frequently loves to like i don't know stick a finger in the mood in the you know wound of melancholy i loved this (laughs) (laughs) i really enjoyed everything that emma just laid out that sort of like the wistfulness and the I don't know, the slightly death becomes her nature of the <laughs> downing these little potions to get younger and just the I would while away my time with you. Yeah, I was immediately trying to Google like sheet music for this song. For, like, Well, I don't know how far you got in your Googling, Lewis. I didn't have enough time, Jade. I only, I only finished this episode about well, 20 minutes ago. This is why you should pr- watch a little bit earlier. Then you might have <laughs> you might have been able to give us a rendition. Um, so the song is Time <laughs> Nobody, in a Bottle. Yeah, I just saw the fear in Emma's eyes of like, don't <laughs> give him the idea to sing up the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> It was just shaking us. It's head. fine, Emma. I can just edit it out. <laughs> Even if Lewis does. <laughs> 20 minutes. <laughs> Lewis last seen monologuing and Emma and I just log off and I'm like, bye. <laughs> if I could save time in a bottle The first thing that I'd like to do Is to save Every day till eternity passes away just to spend them with you. If I could make days last forever, if words could make wishes come true, I'd save every day like a treasure and then again I would spend them. Never seems to be enough time to do the things you want to do once you find them. I've looked around enough to know that you're the one I want to go through time with. Yeah, so it's Time in a Bottle, which is by an artist whose name is Jim Croce, I think you say it. Um, his family were Italian so I think that's how you say it but it's really really sad because he actually died either just after the album that this was on came out or just before and like all of his success with songs including this one which was really popular um, came after his death wow. and um, he died in a plane crash so mm-hmm. I feel like it adds like another layer to in particular this song because it's clearly all about time and youth and yeah you're not getting that time back 
and yeah, he he passed away super young. I think he was only thirty. So I don't know. When I when I found that out, I was a bit like, oh Christ! Like this is this is fairly like heavy stuff for the Muppet Show. Mm. This is not a you know. This is certainly not just a little skit that they're putting together. No, it was. It's it is quite mournful in a way. I but I I I I really enjoyed it. Um. I just responded to it. Although I mm. I did start thinking by the time we got to maybe like the third or fourth potion, this is actually just like a a local branch of the the alchemist, the cocktail bar where <laughs> everything just gets a little bit of that dry ice tossed into it. And they say, ooh, and they bring them over and all the drinks are smoking. Then they say, you need to leave that for 20 seconds and please don't touch the crystals at the bottom. <laughs> you, know, just, you will die. Yeah, please don't drink those. We're not insured. <laughs> Enjoy the Alchemist. Cocktails are sixteen pounds. <laughs> I did enjoy it, and I thought they did what, a really the good job. Or... No, I, I I've only been to the Alchemist once, and it was fine. Although, expensive. did you have a smoky drink? <laughs> yes, I I did. I think I might have had a really bubbly drink as well. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's interactive. Cahoots <laughs> <laughs> never did any of that shit. <laughs> No, My I, crazy but, cocktail bar was only a 1940s underground station. I was going to say, because that was not gimmicky in any way, shape or form, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Just bog standard cocktails. <laughs> I was going to say, your poster stood on the outside. I do. And every so often I go along just to remind the new members of Star of who I am. <laughs> just so they'll let me in. <laughs> That's my face on the side of the ticket hall. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't really want to talk about this for too much longer, but I just wanted to say that I like I thought they did a good job with the with the puppets changing and de-aging as they mm. went through. But also I really liked how Jim changed his voice throughout as well. Like he got really, really quite high towards the end and he did sound an awful lot younger than than at the start of the song. Um I did feel like they'd put real thought and effort into making it have that journey through the music. But yeah, I I don't know. I guess overall I just found it maybe a little bit long and you obviously knew what was going on fairly early on and I feel like because I didn't know the song I wasn't really getting that much from it whereas mm. it obviously would have been popular or at least had been popular so people would have known it yeah. when this came out in 1977. So yeah, I don't yeah, I don't know. I was just a bit like, okay. Fair enough. Like it's nice but yeah. So from uh, mournful and wistful, <laughs> we go to four chickens pecking at a piano. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> this made me laugh. <laughs> So it's called Down at Papa Joe's and it was by the Dixie Bells. Papa John's? Oh, oh, sorry. I've said that wrong. It's Papa Joe's. I just assumed it was Papa John's. No, you did say Joe. I oh, just said, I was then you made me think I'd like... said John. And I was like, oh my God, did I just accidentally <laughs> say John? He was just thinking about pizza. Yeah, pizza. <laughs> mm. 
Mmm, pizza. <laughs> but I knew the tune, and I didn't. I, I don't know whether it's just one of those songs that like gets rolled out. Probably outside of yeah, outside of like rights. So it probably does get rolled out of the background of the yeah. thing. Yeah. But I really like thought it, the chickens oh, doing this. Sorry, Emma. What were you going to say? I just thought it was really funny how well not funny but how we went from time in a yes. bottle to that like the juxtaposition was crazy <laughs> the muppet show <laughs> it's the muppet show and then and then to have the button on the end be then the giant chicken yes <laughs> oh i know statler and waldorf <laughs> i love that we finally found a way to stop them heckling though it's to threaten them with a giant chicken the giant chicken <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that's the reason one of them jumped? Yeah. <laughs> they were just so terrified I mean, by the chicken. That giant chicken is pretty scary <laughs> when it locked that poor little muppet in the birdcage. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, did it like smash through a door or window? Yeah, yeah it smashed yeah. through a door and then it picked him up and put him in the birdcage. <laughs> oh, great. I think... Is that is that chicken like the heavy for the union? And it's just ah. yeah. <laughs> Are you saying it's last exit to Brooklyn? <laughs> <laughs> that is a reference to a sad book about unions in New York. <laughs> <laughs> I can be literary. <laughs> we know you can be literary. It's just normally. Fairly lowbrow, I feel like. It's not lowbrow. No, I normally I'm saying you're you're sad gay books, no? Only no, one, no usually only one. The, only the red, white, and royal blue <laughs> was lowbrow. And that was a horny gay book. The sad gay books, like one of them won the Pulitzer a couple of years ago. I'll <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> it's a very different subset of horny gay literature and sad gay literature. And you know it's important when it's sad and you know it's stupid when it's horny. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you know it's really great when it's both sad and horny. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I know I'm great. Because <laughs> I'm both sad and horny. <laughs> uh, the, uh, this little chicken piano bit, it felt like um, to me... You know, one of the little sort of side gags you'd get in a uh, a Walt Disney ride. You know, if you were going in a, a Pirates of the Caribbean or a Carousel of Progress, you'd be like, oh, look, there's a little robot of four chickens playing a piano in a tune. It just felt like very that. And I'm glad the sketch was only, what, 30 seconds? Yeah. I, yeah. It, was the, it was the perfect little, like, escalation, escalation, boom, finish, button with the giant chicken at the end. Like, lovely. Really enjoyed it. I agree. Well, yeah, you could almost imagine that literally just being animatronics yeah. pecking at a piano, couldn't you? It's, yeah, it's very much in that vein. Um, one of the things I did notice about this was that the lack of Statler and Waldorf in this episode. Mm. And yeah. it was quite nice that we still did have them here with the chicken, because I think to just have the chickens playing the song on the piano would have been a bit like, okay. But because you had that at the end, it, it did as you, just as you said, just made it this perfect tiny little gag in the middle of everything else. Yeah. I was wondering what they were going to do with that, the final Edgar Bergen mm. piece. And I wasn't surprised that it was Edgar and Charlie initially just on stage together. But then I was really pleased when Miss Piggy came in and I felt like that. <laughs> Lewis is laughing. I think um, we all were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It felt right that she got that final bit with them. And also the fact that then she still tried to karate chop Charlie McCarthy. <laughs> although obviously did not go in her favour this time. Um, yeah, I felt like this 
this sort of encapsulated clearly how Jim Henson felt about Edgar Bergen, you know, where you had Kermit introducing him and saying how special he is to everyone on the Muppet show that they then let him just do a little bit of his shtick, his bit with Charlie. I like that he had at least, it was clearly some new material Mm -hmm. during, because it was relating to the Muppets. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I feel like it was much more successful than when Rich Little clearly did impressions of the Muppets for the very first time ever in his life. (laughs) Because he, he totally knew the Muppet characters and how to play with them. And as I've already said, like joking about Fozzie being simple accent on the simple and, you know, needing a rug for his den floor. And I, I mean, I don't know the, the frog's legs jokes about biology class got a little bit much. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that as well. I was like, how many times? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he really loved frog? Like, was that his favorite delicacy or something? Maybe it's easy to maybe it's easy to say as a ventriloquist. <laughs> Frog. Hug. Yeah, Frog. you don't really have to move your mouth too much. Hug. <laughs> <laughs> Emma, you haven't tried it, you need to try it. Wrong. <laughs> I can't believe we just did that. Emma's elocution is not a winner at the best of times. I don't think we should be impeding her further by saying, now don't move your lips. Hug. <laughs> I can barely say words as it is. <laughs> Maybe that would... Uh, you never know, Lewis. It might be one of those, like... Don't suggest to Emma to get a fucking ventriloquist <laughs> me. If we come back next week and it's like, Welcome to Muppet Sational. I'm Lewis Chandler. I'm Jay Turner. I'm Emma Chandler. And this is, I don't know, Meow Meow the Cat. Like, and then <laughs> Emma just starts, like, talking through the cat. Yeah, yeah, the cat. Cat's quite hard. I wouldn't go with cat, Emma. You have to do things with your mouth to make that work. I'm not going to lie. The only reason I said me and the cat is because I literally have a poster on my wall that says me and now on it. I was desperately looking around the room for any sort of name for it. Like, it was either that or like Madonna or Plant. Like, that's all I had. <laughs> Lewis's room is filled with treasures as we can all, all tell. Well, I've got Kylie behind me as yeah, well. I've got Kylie. Kylie, might Kylie the cat. Kylie. Kylie. No, I wouldn't go cat. Cat's hard. Kylie. 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 I feel like Kay's. Oh, Kylie's all right. Kylie. 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 Try it at right. home, people. Wherever you are <laughs> listening right now, see if you can not move your mouth and say the word Kylie. <laughs> Kylie. I feel like this is very thrilling for our listeners. Yeah. Upset yeah. people on your tube carriage right now. Just go, <laughs> Kylie, under your Kylie. breath. <laughs> They'll be like, sorry. Please. <laughs> 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 somebody looking to... <laughs> Maybe there's somebody called Kylie in your tube carriage and you'll strike up a friendship or a romance. <laughs> Kylie. <laughs> Kylie. And we want to be invited to the wedding, okay? It's very we'll important. all bring our ventriloquist tummies. <laughs> That's too many. <laughs> Jade, one ventriloquist dummy no, is, too, is too many at a wedding. I love you like, that's too many. <laughs> what, because three would make it weird. <laughs> three dummies would make it weird. Oh, just a couple. Oh, we just had two guests who also brought ventriloquist dummies. But you know, <laughs> as, as, as you would expect. <laughs> if you turned up with a wedding. <laughs> and there was a ventriloquist dummy. <laughs> what? What would? 
I mean, I'd run. I would now, run. I, I think I would be, I would stick around only to see um, if I, if I ended up on the same table as the guest who had a ventriloquist dummy, I would know that the bride and groom or groom and groom Hate or bride you. and bride did not consider me very close friends. Imagine sitting there. If like, you're, you're sat on that table your... near the toilets, you know you're down yeah. on the guest <laughs> list. You're trying to eat your like buffet meal, and then the dummy like swings in and be like, "You're gonna eat all that," and you're like, "Fuck, get away from me!" And I'm just elbowing it, just get off of me. Hate you. Uh, so yeah, the long and the short of that is, uh, Emma, please Kylie. don't, get... please don't, please... <laughs> please don't get a ventriloquist dummy. <laughs> I won't, I promise. Uh, Piggy, trying to get this back. Piggy was rightfully unimpressed. Uh, I loved overdressed splinter and mahogany mouth. That was great, yeah. But I liked how charmed Edgar was, as you said, Jade, to be talking to Piggy so much so that he forgot to do his own damn job. (laughs) His only job, which is to stop moving his fucking mouth. (laughs) So his stupid (laughs) dumb... He has one job And that is to not move his mouth While he operates his ventriloquist dummy Which has been his job for 40 years And he couldn't do it (laughs) Privilege I don't know Like I just just, What well, also, if you just can't be bothered at that point, just step away. You know, just don't do it anymore. <laughs> like, well, Jade, he hadn't even started doing it. So what? <laughs> oh, I, is there anything else to say? I made a note to say that Piggy's hair looked amazing in this. It did. It did. I thought it looked really, really luscious and shiny and it had that like perfect curl at the end which mm. i don't know who's doing her hair and makeup these days but they are doing a good job yeah that she that, looked great that, yeah gorgeous i clocked that too <laughs> yeah and that that was that was it i don't you know <laughs> we can um, we can move to the goodbyes what <laughs> oh okay oh yes not our goodbyes then, <laughs> i was like guys. jane i think we usually have like about 15 more minutes of the podcast to go <laughs> Yeah, don't turn off yet, everyone. We're still going. <laughs> Kylie, don't leave yet. <laughs> oh my god, what if we have a listener called Kylie and we've just been like addressing them? Like they're like they could be like, "What the hell is happening?" <laughs> Imagine if we have a listener named Meow Meow. <laughs> <laughs> the artist Meow Meow might be listening. I mean, the odds are very low, but she might. She might. Yeah. Yeah. The goodbyes in the Muppet Show. I did enjoy the fact that Charlie McCarthy was off stage and was scared of coming back out because he didn't want to see Piggy again. <laughs> it's like, that is an appropriate response to Miss Piggy. You should be scared of her. You overdressed splinter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Emma, any closing thoughts on the end? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, just as like what Jade said, really. It was quite funny that, you know, Charlie was too scared to come back on stage because of Miss Piggy. And I, I did love her one-liners the um, overdressed splinter and the mahogany mouth. It was quite funny. And then when she tried to hiya him and she was like, it's solid oak. <laughs> oh, well, I will be very intrigued to see how we're all going to rank this episode. But first, we must decide upon our MVMP, our most valued Muppet performer. Emma, why don't you kick us off? My most valued Muppet performer for this episode is going to be... 
Fuzzy! Yay! Yay! I just thought in this episode, he just had some really nice moments like on stage and in the backstage business. And it was quite funny thinking and seeing him try and do his kind of act with Chucky. Although, I mean, that did turn a bit sinister when he left the stage (laughs) and Chucky started talking. But I just thought he had some really nice interactions um, with Kermit and with Edgar as well. And I just thought it was really nice. I think we just saw like another fun side of Fozzie's character. So he is going to be my MVMP for this week. How about you, Jade? I really liked Fozzie too, but I'm going to give it to the chickens this week. Oh. Collectively. Because I think that the the opening was really strong. I did really enjoy Down at Papa Joe's slash Papa John's, depending on how hungry you are. Um, I loved that the big chicken is the only the only character to ever shut Statler and Baldorf up at this point. And yeah, I just felt like the little bits of backstage business that they had as well, like they just gave an energy and a flow to the episode that I really, really appreciated. And it's also just nice to see them because after having Gonzo with real chickens, we were, we were wondering when, I know it's not quite Camilla yet, but we were wondering when... Camilla and the girls were going to turn up in the guise that we're used to seeing them in. And this is it. This is the chickens, other than having Camilla as a separate entity. Um, So yeah, so I'm going to give it to the chickens this week. Lewis, who's your MVMP? So I was also tempted to give it to the chickens, but then I realised that would be two weeks in a row. Because last week I gave, (laughs) in our last episode with uh, Nancy Walker, I gave it to the big chicken. (laughs) So... (laughs) I didn't think we could quite do that again. So I'm going to give it to Gonzo. Just mostly because it was just full on bonkers Gonzo. It was, and also I didn't even mention at the beginning, I really loved his um, trumpet gag with it just being a shotgun. (laughs) (laughs) Which was fantastic. I really loved it. So uh, just to avoid having too much uh, poultry. I will. I'm going to elect to uh, to go for Gonzo this week. All right, it is time for us to reveal our rankings for this week. Jade, why don't you start us off? Oh, you're making me go first again. Yeah. <sighs> I I've been quite torn about this because I did find. I wonder if you're going to have the same problem I had, where you actually did quite enjoy this episode despite the fact that Edgar Bergen was not a good ventriloquist. So part of you doesn't want to reward it with points because you don't want Edgar Bergen to be given like one of our like top 10 guests of season two, despite the fact that it's an otherwise very entertaining episode because I've been having that going around in my head head as well. Yeah, I mean, basically, thanks, Lewis. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll keep it brief. Um, let's just all take that as our comment and then just give it a rating. And we'll just give it a rating. Yeah, we'll all yeah. just go, look, despite despite the <laughs> shitty ventriloquist, we all had a nice time. I don't know, six and a half out of ten. Good night, everyone. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. Like, I think ah, it's... We, I think, look, I, we could do one episode where we all just wrap it up together and give it the same <laughs> score. It's fine. We just... You just say it all at the same time and go, bish, bash, bosh, done. Yeah. yeah, like, I really loved Consider Yourself. Muppet Newsflash was fun. Pigs in Space was, meh, it was fine, but it wasn't too long or anything. I did really love Fozzie with Chucky. Um, I loved all of the chicken stuff. Um, Miss Piggy was really great fun with Charlie McCarthy. And the bits that I didn't enjoy so much were the UK sport and 
Edgar's ventriloquy, to be honest with you. Um, so oh, I'm going to go six welterweight bricks out of ten. Nice. If this had had a stronger guest star, I think this would probably be right up there for me. But mm. quite frankly, how Edgar Bergen had a career for as long as he did doing ventriloquy, I have no idea. And also now knowing what I know about his relationship with Candace, I'm... Yeah, I can't reward him too highly. No. So, Lewis, are you going six and a half out of ten? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think I am. I, like, there's no point saying anymore. Like, <laughs> I would just, uh, I would just highlight in my different studio. I, I really enjoyed like the lab song. I loved that mm-hmm. little. I'm like, yeah, put that wistful shit right in my veins. <laughs> I like it. So yeah, I'm gonna give it. I don't know. Six and a half chicken unions uh, out of ten. <laughs> Emma? <laughs> well, I think I'm going to join you. <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> um, so I'm going to give it six and a half overdressed splinters out of ten. Nice. nice. Fab. Yeah, no notes. <laughs> Fantastic. No notes. God, we're wrapping it. We should do this every week. <laughs> Jade, why don't you help us turn the page on this... <laughs> interesting chapter of uh, The Muppet Show and instead take us into your weekly book club of of Muppets and Men. I will. Uh, So this is also very short and sweet. So (laughs) you might all be out of here in just over the hour mark, which... Especially you, Kylie. (laughs) Congrats, Kylie. Kylie. (laughs) I just thought I'd read a little bit from Of Muppets and Men by Christopher Finch that talks directly about Edgar Bergen on The Muppet Show. Um, It's talking more about the guest stars in general but he's mentioned by name so I thought it was appropriate. It seems that everyone wants to work with the Muppets says David Laser, explaining the process that is followed when casting guests. People have given up lucrative personal appearances, have even had their contracts rewritten so they could come on the show. We begin by drawing up lists, then a little group of us, Jim, Jerry Jewell, Frank and myself, sit down to discuss the possibilities and we regularly consult with Bernie Brillstein. We look for international stars, of course, and there were certain show business institutions, George Burns, Edgar Bergen, Peter Sellers, Zira Mostel, people like that, that everyone here wanted to work with. We tend to go for people who don't do much television, or for television stars who can do things other than what they're best known for. If we find that the lead in a dramatic series can also sing and dance, that's promising. We want to give the viewers something they don't see every day. And where else could you see a ventriloquist who couldn't do ventriloquism for shit but on The Muppet Show? Thank you so much for listening to Muppet Station. <laughs> if you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review as it really helps spread the word about the podcast. You can follow us on social media. We are at Muppetsational on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok and Facebook. You can contact us at hi-ho at muppetspodcast.com and you can find out more about us and the podcast at muppetspodcast.com Well, this has been a pleasure. (laughs) It's been lovely to see you both and we'll see you again in two days' time when we have to do this again because our scheduling has been up the wazoo. (laughs) So until two days from now, but a week for you listening at home, I've been Lewis Chandler. I've been Jane Turner. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, can't resist. I've been Joe Turner. <laughs> and I've been Emma Chandler. 
we shall see you next week on another episode of The Decisional. Bye. 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 <laughs> our theme music is Peppy Pepe by Kevin McLeod, and our artwork is designed by Charlotte Rudge, who you can follow at at Charlie underscore R underscore Rudge on Instagram. That was a funny show. Yes, it was. I wonder if they meant it that way. <laughs>